0: So we're doing something new and different this week. Yes, we wanted to share an episode of a great podcast with you. And for two reasons. First, we love the idea of the show and we think it's great for queer visibility. And second, this particular episode stars the one and only
1: Latrice Royale. Yes, that's right. So I got to be a guest on this awesome podcast called This Is My Family. And we teamed up with them to give uh, our CHOP listeners the episode served to you right here on the CHOP channel. I'm so excited for this.
0: The show is called This Is My Family and it's hosted by Tyler Green, who is a gay dad in an interracial marriage. Each week, he has conversations with guests who reveal funny and heartfelt stories about how you can make a family and how your family makes you.
1: I really love the concept of how the series and the way Tyler tells the stories and interviews guests. It's just great. Um, the episode you're about to hear is all about my life. And uh, I have to tell you, he takes me to places that I was not expecting to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was great uh, because, you know, I've been asked a lot of the same questions, but he really did dig deep and pull out some things that I hadn't really talked about in interviews before so Hmm. this is a great opportunity to learn something new from about me that you may not know okay yeah yeah
0: here listen the trees this is how they described you on your episode a young boy named timothy grows up in compton surrounded by violence and the fierce love of his mother he grows up to become one of the most famous drag queens in the world this is the story of that little boy, the queen he became, and the many different families who have shaped them along
1: the way. See this already? Yeah, it makes me kind of want to cheer up because it's so. <laughs> this is really, you know, it's my journey, you know. So, um, I was their third guest ever, mm. but they have since put out an episode uh, with Binda La Creme. And soon they will be airing the story of my beloved Mr. Christopher Hamblin Royale. Oh. It's a good one. Yeah. Oh,
0: fabulous. uh, This, This is awesome. Yeah. This is my family, a new podcast about building a life with the people we love. And luckily for our CHOP listeners, you can listen to my episode right now. I'm so excited. And if you enjoy the episode, make sure you find This Is My Family wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to their show.
1: Girl. My phone rang and it was my mom and she was like, baby, I had no idea what was in this box. I was like, why did he send me all these pictures of this beautiful woman? Is this Who is this? And then I put in the tape. And I was able to see, you are so beautiful, you are so classy. Oh my goodness, I'm so proud of you. And that was, I just broke down crying because I was like, that is all I ever wanted to hear.
2: Hi there, and welcome to This Is My Family, a podcast about building a life with the people you love. I'm your host, Tyler Green. You also just heard Latrice Royale, one of the most famous drag queens in the world. She's my guest this week. Last week you heard my story, how my husband and I met and how we had our son Sam. Go check that out if you haven't yet. And as my family grows, I realized it isn't something you just have. A family is something you make. People you choose. So I started this podcast because I want to explore the beautifully messy ways other people make their families and the ways our families make us family means something different to every person and at a time when we are so divided this show exists to highlight and celebrate those differences to lean in with empathy and learn together how fascinating people from all walks of life build a life with the people they love the tv show rupaul's drag race made latrice royale famous On the reality competition, drag queens share their origin stories, their coming out stories. And Latrice became a fan favorite for her being unapologetic and honest about her struggles as a child growing up in Compton and her difficult family relationships. She is complicated and fabulous and a fierce advocate for being yourself. Which is powerful for adult queer folks like me and an even more powerful example for young queer folks who watch her and feel less alone
1: i'm latrice so of course i stumped it on out and i'm giving big girl sexy showing all my curves and swerves and giving a little face giving that's little the attitude.
2: voice that the world has fallen in love with every time i see latrice live the room rises to their feet and everyone's problems are temporarily halted she's truly magic but there was a time before latrice royale was born Offstage, Latrice is Timothy Wilcots, a gay man who grew up in Compton. So we kick things off with the story of little Timothy and his family of origin.
1: It was a interesting, very tumultuous childhood, actually. I grew up in Compton. If you don't know where that is geographically, that is East Los Angeles County. And it is really rough, and especially back in my day, uh, heavily gang violence around, or my brothers were involved in gangs. And my dad was abusive to my mother. And so when she had enough, she, she put an end to that. And so they separated. I think I was at the age of five when they separated. And um, they divorced years later. Um, however, my dad was not in my life very much. And I resented him a lot. So I was definitely a mama's boy. I was the baby. You know, I was the last of her five boys that she had. And I knew I was different. And she always called me her special child. So I grew up in a very different time. And so, you know, my brothers are much older than me. The the closest one is nine years. And then it goes on up from there. And so they were already into girls and high school and stuff when I came along. So it was like, you know. I was the little bratty brother, you know, in Compton, you know, you're in the gang or you go to the military, but there's no time for you being gay. So it was hard. Two of your brothers, at least,
2: like when you say they were in the gang, they were running the gang, right?
1: Yeah, they were running it. And so, you know, I saw a lot of uh, blood and gunshot wounds and stab wounds and drugs and money and none of it was mine. But, uh... Of course, you know, that was all during the time when my mom was working two jobs, so she was mm-hmm. very seldom home. And when she was home, she was resting. So it was, you know, it was... Once I got old enough, you know, to take care of myself, I would be home alone, and, and my brothers would do what they do while my mom was at work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I want to zoom in on your mom. You know, she called you your special child. I think I listened to an interview where she said... She knew you had a little sugar in your tank. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about her. Like what was her story? What was she like?
1: Well, Shirley was a strong willed black, hardworking mama who was no nonsense, you know. She was God fearing woman and her faith was everything. As I got more active in the church and church became my life, I was on the usher board, I was in the choir, you name it, I was there. So her faith started to grow stronger, and she was a God-fearing woman. And so if you weren't at church and didn't believe in God, there was going to be some problems. But she always taught me about love and compassion early on and acceptance of people that are different than you. Like, there was always someone living with us, like someone who was down and out and needed a place to stay, We always had somebody staying with us it might be two months it might be a year and it it was like my mother just did not know how to say no you weren't gonna go hungry and you weren't gonna be homeless so Mm -hmm. she taught me a lot about that and you know people took advantage of her kindness of of course you know but she put it in God's hands she says and God's got it and she just kept on doing what she did and led with her heart and so that's why I am who I am. And that's why I I love the way I love and I'm compassionate and empathetic to people and try to see all sides of people's story.
2: So you have four brothers. Yep. And the way that I understand them is that two of them were running the the gang, so to speak. And then the other two eventually joined the military. Right. So there's this like sort of difference (laughs) in how they, how they branched out. Um, Yeah. I just have a curiosity just like about like who are they and how did maybe that happen.
1: Well, Harold was my eldest brother and he went into the army. I didn't get a chance to experience him very much. He died when I was very young. Mm-hmm. You know, it's amazing to see that, you know, this country doesn't take care of their veterans the way they should. But, you know, he came back yeah. pretty screwed up. He knew I was special, but he protected me. And then Curtis who is still alive who's my eldest living brother now went into the military and he had been my basically my father figure like he's the one i looked up to the most he was the one that was the most stable and showed me what family was he's still married to his wife that he was married to then Mm -hmm. with his kids and now grandkids and great grandkids which is crazy because now i'm like a great great uncle So crazy, right? I was going to ask you Um, earlier, are you Uncle Latrice? I I am. Yes. That's um, amazing. But that was my only role model as far as what family stability was. Like, through all their trials and tribulations, they are still, and I mean still together. And it it brings me great joy because, you know, I lived with them during my last two years of high school because I had to get away. And so I finished high school living with Curtis and Deborah, and they just allowed me to be a teenager. They allowed me to make decisions, and great influences there. And then Darnell, who (laughs) was—that was the ringleader right there. Mm. Yeah, that's Darnell. Darnell, like, he ran my whole neighborhood. You know, if you say his name around the neighborhood, everybody' be like, "Oh oh, my oh, you know he's a legend mm. and um and, and you know, and it's ironic because he didn't die from gang violence. Mm. he died in a freak car accident at a stop sign. I got the phone call that he had gotten in an accident and was in the hospital, and it wasn't looking good and I got from downtown l a all the way to Martin Luther King Hospital, which is in like Compton in about 20 minutes hmm. with traffic, that's impossible. But I did it. And my mom and I got there. I dropped her off in the front to let her out to go in while I went to go park. And when I got done parking and I was coming in the lobby, my entire family were there already. And somebody, oh, I'm going to get emotional. But somebody had to tell me because no one wanted to tell me that my brother was dead. Hmm. And so... Um, I didn't get to say goodbye, and so I went through this horrible, it was a horrible time of uh, not accepting it. I was completely in denial, because he had promised me he was going to take me school shopping, because it happened June of 88, and he was going to take me school shopping for the fall. And I kept saying, no, he's going to come, he's going to come, and oh, it was a mess. I took that very hard. Yeah you left California, right? Eventually.
2: Oh, yes. yes so yes. W- when did that happen and-, and why? It was in
1: 1991. Mm-hmm. I was teaching color guard at the high school that I had graduated from. So mm-hmm. that's what I had been doing. I had not come out yet. I had not even come to terms with the whole idea of being gay. I did have a gay friend who who was open and older than me, who I was hanging around and learning from. And he had rented some movies. <laughs> back in the day. Disney you, movies? Yeah, you know, back in the day when you had to go to the uh, to the store and to go to the little back room with the curtain. You know the one. Uh-huh. I so, do. <laughs> so um, he had rented some movie. I didn't know it was in the back, but he was like, look, I don't want to wait until my mom was asleep because i don't want her asking me what's in this bag. So can you hold this at your house, you know, till later tonight? I was like, sure. So I put it under my bed. I have a drawer, like the bed with the drawers. So I pulled out the drawer, put the bag underneath the drawer, and put the drawer back in. And went on back about my business. And then come to find out that my brother had been rummaging through my room, found the videos, thought they were mine. Underneath the drawer. Underneath. The, that means you were snooping. Mm-hmm snooping 100%. Mm. Then after dinner, he was just like, you know, your son's a faggot. Mm. And I was looking around like, who are you talking about? And uh, he's just, started going off. It's like, I found those movies in your room, you faggot ass, and this and this and call Is me Is it all... Scooby or? Yes. Mm-hmm. Call me all kinds of names. And so then it escalated. We got physical, started fighting. My mother's crying, trying to break us up. It was a whole big thing and I wasn't taking no more. So I fought back and, but it was upsetting my mother. So I ran out of the house, walked down to my friend's house and I made a phone call to one of my color guard friends, and they made arrangements for me to move to March of Color Garden in Wisconsin. And I had bought me a one-way ticket and came home and left that night and never looked back. Wow. But I didn't realize those were so
2: closely linked, those two moments. I mean, mm-hmm. they were the same thing, coming out and leaving.
1: Yep. Well, being outed and leaving. Being outed and leaving, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I still, like, went through a whole basically a whole year of staying in the closet still, like I was scared, I don't know why. I was with people who gave me full permission. I was living with a gay couple and another female roommate, but for some reason I still just didn't feel like it was okay. And so it wasn't until I moved to Florida that I was like, hey, I'm gay, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I grew
2: up in a small town in the Midwest. It took me 22 years to come out, but there was not a lot of exposure. I think there was like one person who I sort of was like, oh, but I don't even think I knew what it meant.
1: No, like, not really. Mind you, like, Midwest. Yeah, that's exactly where I was. I was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Mm.
2: <laughs>
1: you don't get no more Midwest than that. No, you don't. Hello. Somebody. I was downright metropolitan in Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> oh, hell. You was up in it. You. They got nightclubs there. Yeah. No, not yeah. in Eau Claire, darling. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. That's awesome.
2: I was in marching band, too, so I was... Oh,
1: so you know about color mm. guard and stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. well... Yeah,
2: I played trumpet. I was one of those oh. snobs. <laughs>
1: now, first, second
2: chair? It's funny that you mentioned first, second chair, because with me and my friend Kenny, we were back and forth first and second chair the whole time. Ah. Actually, the entire trumpet section is now gay. But, like, none of us were out. No. No, and none of us were I... doing anything together. Like, literally... First through fifth chair.
1: That is crazy. And I'm not even the gayest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Timothy moved from Wisconsin to Miami, and it didn't take long for his friends to push him to start doing drag shows there. His new queer family helped him find wigs and dresses, and that's how Latrice Royale was born. This process and the families that form around the art of drag is why I wanted to talk to a drag queen. This show is, of course, all about families and how we build them, how they shape us. So I asked Latrice to be our guide and explain how drag families work, starting with how you find your drag mother.
1: When you are young and you're wayward and- getting kicked out or you're being outed or whatever and exiled from your family, you know, usually your community picks you up and there's a matriarch or a person who takes you under their wing and shows you the ropes and teaches you about the community and who your tribe is. Mm -hmm. And usually that's what you call your, your mother. And it does not necessarily mean that the mother does drag, but the mother is the matriarch of the household. And then you have the drag family where you are just learning how to do drag and you don't have anyone to show you the ropes. And then you have this mother who steps in and teaches you makeup and the business and how to be polished and the ins and outs of. What it takes to be a, an awesome drag queen, and mm. that becomes your drag mother, mm. and then of course you know you get your aunties and your because that's my sister, so that's your child. Okay, that's my auntie. Just like the regular family tree, it just spirals out on out. I had my tubes tied a long time ago, so <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I am the favorite auntie, honey. I ain't got time for baby's kids. <laughs> Bye.
2: that is a reference i know oh my god i haven't thought of baby's kids in
1: 25 years <laughs> that's amazing.
2: i mean I, there's lots of love that's how i read those that's um, the, and that's yeah.
1: what it boils down to lots of love yeah, yeah.
2: so for your drag mother you had a, one initially but then you have somebody you really refer to as
1: yes <laughs> i had who i thought was going to be my drag mother Whereas the opposite that was happening, the mother was a hot mess and I had it together and she was staying with me, but she was the one that first initially put me up in drag. She showed me that my cheekbones were lovely. But then when I was looking for her to be there, she was a hot mess and didn't show up for me and left me hanging, stole from me. It was a mess. So that relationship was abolished, but the one who I Consider my drag mother to this day. Her name is Tiffany Ariagas. I started off, like I said, at the Copa. She was the host of the contest. She would give me pointers on how to improve and teach me the business and who to watch out for and to count your tips as they give them to you. You took the 20s over here, keep the ones over here, down to every detail. And now it's just so wonderful because my life has taken off and my career has taken off and she is so honored to be considered now my mom because um, she was one of those i ain't your mama i'm your sister girl blah blah, blah 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 but i'm her only child like i only got one kid she only got one kid <laughs> mm. do you all talk
2: so, regularly now oh or? yes
1: yes yes absolutely we've checked in uh throughout this pandemic you know mm. and not as much as we should but definitely keep tabs and keeping an in touch for sure
2: Mm -hmm. And how is your biological mother relating to all this success?
1: The one thing that I'm most happy and proud that I was able to do was to share what I do with my mom before she passed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was another layer of coming out of the closet again because I'm about to reveal something that I've not told her. And, you know, our conversations would be great, but not full-on like we used to be because I was always holding something that I felt like I couldn't talk to her about. There was a part of me that she was not able to get to know. Mm -hmm. And so finally I had enough and I was like, you know what? I'm going to send my mother a care package. And I got my business cards, I had made a video, a little compilation of me performances, and I shipped it off to her. And I didn't hear back for a while, and my phone rang, and it was my mom. And she was like, baby, I had no idea what was in this box. I was like, why did he send me all these pictures of this beautiful woman? Is this Who is this? And then I put in the tape, and I was able to see, you are so beautiful. You are so classy oh my goodness, I'm so proud of you. And that was, I just broke down crying Mm because I was like, that is all Mm -hmm. I ever wanted to hear. And she understood my art. And she was like, what I'm going to need you to do now is send me some hair because you know I love me some wigs. And so (laughs) that became our bond again. Like, we were back in Uh... full effect. And I was able to send her some wigs and style her some hair and stuff. And like, that's, that's... the bond that I had been missing with my mom, and I was able to do that. Um, yeah, I was so glad.
2: I, yeah, I have to say, like for people who are listening out there who don't have that bond with their parents, you know, I was really lucky. My dad, just like I said, you know, I'm gay, and you know, over the phone, I was in London studying, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, what'd you have for dinner?" You know, and and it's like you know that acceptance and like that then that curiosity of also my career and like I was a theater director in my twenties. And, uh, you know, he just was so supportive of that. And so when you have that acceptance from that person that you care the most about, I mean, you know, and, and sometimes people don't get it from their biological sort of family. of Correct. And that's um,
1: correct. And this is why we reach out to our community. And that's why, you know, you have your drag sisters and your drag brothers and everything, and you choose your family. And a great majority of my life I got through it with my chosen family because I had left my blood family. And when I look back and think about what I could have done different and my response to things, you know, I just didn't have the tools. And I did what I felt was necessary based on the knowledge that I had and experiences that I had. So that was my justification for leaving and not looking back. I was like, well, if you're not going to love me, I'm going to go find people who will accept me. And I did. And I did a great job of that. And um, I have no regrets. After the break, I talked to
2: Latrice about one of the most difficult chapters of her life so far. Stay with us. As Latrice's stage career started to take off in Miami, she got into a little trouble with the law. She was pulled over by a cop, had some weed and a prescription pill, and ended up in jail. And it was while she was locked up that she got a phone call she was not expecting.
1: They are like, Wilcox, you have a phone call. I was like, who's calling me here? So I got down there. with my brother, Curtis. And I was just like, whoa. He was like, you hard to find. I was like, well, now you know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But he had checked every hospital, jail, morgue mortuary, whatever, from Key West all the way up the coast of Florida to try to figure out where I was. And finally, he found me. And he was letting me know that my mother was in the hospital and wasn't doing so well. And I was taken aback. And he was like, yeah, she's had cancer for years and didn't tell a soul. And now she's unresponsive. And the doctors had expected her to go a week ago. And for some reason, she won't let go. And she's just holding on. And he was literally at her bedside when he called me and told me that I needed to say my goodbyes because he believes that she's only holding on to talk to me, to hear my voice. And so, of course, I was hysterical. And he was like, I need you to pull it together because we don't have a lot of time for this. And. You can cry later, but right now I'm going to need you to like buck up and talk to your mom. And so I got on the phone and that was hard. It was hard to talk to her and act like everything was okay and like I was in good spirits and you know obviously you don't want to let her know on her dying bed I'm in jail and I tried to keep it light and let her know that I was becoming a star and I was going to be somebody she's going to be really proud of one day and you never know she's gonna have a superstar in her hands. And I got done talking and my brother was telling me that like her whole expression had changed on her face, that she definitely could hear me and knew it was me and that she looked like she was at peace. And uh, he told me he would call me and keep me posted. And then the next morning, I get a phone call very early in the morning to go back. And by this time, the entire staff knows what's happening, what's going on with me. And so they escorted me down, and it was my brother again, and he was letting me know that he was correct and that she just needed to hear from her baby. Mm. And then she had passed 20 minutes ago. And so um, she was able to let go and be at peace, but it was the most hurtful Who experience ever. I just felt, at that point, like, what next? And I was just angry. I was mad, and I was mad at myself. I was beating myself up mostly, and the guilt that I felt, you know, I knew that it was my fault that I was here. You know, like, had I taken care of my responsibilities, I wouldn't be in this position, and I just didn't do that. And so now I'm in this situation, and they won't let me go see my mother. So that was a hard pill to swallow. I had to just live with it for a while until I was able to accept that it was going to be okay and that she was going to be by my side all the time. Yeah. And so she is. I know she is. So. And how
2: did your uh, drag family show up for you during this time?
1: Oh, my goodness. They woo, went above and beyond, um, rallied the entire community on my behalf and had benefits and fundraisers. Mm for me while I was in jail so that when I got out, I would have some startup money. I was only in behind the gate for six months. I did an additional nine months in work release. So my friend Tim, he was the only one that had it pulled together where he could be my sponsor. And he was the next to kin that I had here in Florida. And I was able to go home on furlough and he would so latrice costumes when we got together and get her wardrobe so i have something to start off on a little drag starter kit on Mm. what i got out and yeah, yeah he bought my boy clothes so i could go on job interviews and really i had nothing so yeah that's family
2: drag race skyrocketed latrice's career she opened up to the world about her story. Growing up in Compton, later being in prison, her love for her mother, all of it. And people could not get enough. Since Drag Race, Latrice has toured the world with the one-woman show called Here's to Life, which chronicles a lot of what we've talked about so far. And she also made a documentary called Gays in Prison. And there's a scene in that documentary where her brother Scooby violently chokes Timothy in the front yard of their childhood home. Scooby got to see that story unfold on his TV from Latrice's perspective. And it changed him. Latrice brought her one-woman show, Here's to Life, to the Rockwell in Los Angeles. And much to her surprise, Scooby showed up.
1: And so I didn't expect him to be at the show. My cousins, I knew all the girls were coming. My cousins and my sister-in-law was called coming. Did not know he was going to be there until he was there. And I didn't know if I was going to be ready because I'm going to tell my story. Here's to Life is definitely an autobiography of the accounts of my life. And I share the story about my tumultuous relationship with my brother. And he had to sit there and listen to it live. But at the end of the day, I was able to stand him up in the audience and say, and today, ladies and gentlemen, that very brother is right here watching me and they all came up my whole family came up to the stage we had a big old cry hug come to jesus moment and he got on the microphone and told everybody how much he loved me and how proud he is of me and how i am a spitting image of his mother and Mm. it it just um i felt like i had a family again for the first time in my life i had a family yeah and so god answers prayers i'll Mm. just say that and Everything wiped away, like you cannot not forgive. You do it for you mostly, but it was just like the weight was lifted.
2: The weight of that separation was lifted and Latrice told me she wouldn't have had the strength to do any of that without her husband, Christopher. They met at an autograph signing after a live show.
1: I was booked in Knoxville. That's where he's from. And he came to the show just like any other fan to see me. I was their second guest. They really didn't have a lot of experience with this. So this meet and greet was a shit show, Mm -hmm. like to say the least. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to have a bad reputation for Knoxville. So he, he stepped up and started taking pictures for the patrons and kind of getting an orderly Line going, so we have a flow and running it, and it started going wonderful. And throughout that time, I started flirting and dropped my sharpie, and he bent over to pick it up, and I dropped it again (laughs) so I can get a better look. I was like, "What?" And (laughs) And then, like, I invite him back to hang out later on. He kept saying, "I have to work in the morning." I have to work in the morning. It wasn't computing. It was like, work, <laughs> morning, work, morning. It is morning, People work. People do that in on a the morning. Sunday, on yeah. a Sunday, what, work? Because he's a musical director at his church, at the MCC oh. church, so he had to play the service and be there, da, 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 So wasn't a whole wholesome boy. You see that? Mm. At the yeah. church, you yes. see? Yes, yes.
2: Uh, <laughs> <That's, that's... laughs>
1: but he a heathen because we were at the club the night before, so I know how those work. too. <laughs> so that's
2: so, I was going to say, I, I had a similar thing with my husband when I met him. I was like, he's very innocent, but he was coming from the baby. leather bar.
1: See, that's the bar. It's the sides. It's the sides. You got to watch. Still, waters run deep, as my mother always said. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so uh, we were gentlemen. We talked the entire night, and I knew I was in trouble then because I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. And we've been together ever since.
2: Timothy and Christopher had a gorgeous wedding a couple of years ago. You can see photos online, and I highly recommend you look for them. A lot of dreams have come
1: true for these two.
2: I asked what else they dream about for their future together. Like, any chance there'll be little Latrices running around?
1: No. Nope. I've been for you, but it got your mouth set. Nope. Smart. Um, no, but really our dream was to have a little fur baby one day, but... You know, I aspire to grow, continue to grow with him. And as he develops his artistry, you know, he has a single out and a video. And I want to, you know, help him hone in his dreams and crafts because he's been supporting me uh, and helping me throughout this entire time. So,
2: yeah. Do you have a relationship now with your brothers and the biological family, your biological family?
1: Absolutely. Like, I can't even tell you how through what I am. You know, they just called a couple of days ago because of our anniversary. and uh, oh, To hear Curtis and Deborah on the phone, they were like, happy anniversary, we're the time. Because, you know, they're the one pushed us, honey. They made us pick, pick a date. They were the ones, they were like, what's taking so long? What's the hold up? Why you ain't got no house? What's going on? Like, everything <laughs> that has been adulting about us has been because of my uh. brother and sister-in-law. Like, they have been very giving me knowledge dropping knowledge on me and I'm looking at their lives as examples because they're doing it and they're still together. Mm. So they're like you keep it up y'all two years in y'all keep it up you are going to be just like us 40 years I was like 40 wow. years come on
2: and that's gold. It's unbelievable to me. Goals. It's so beautiful.
1: Um yeah. and what about Scoobies? Scooby's great too. Uh, I talked to him the other day ago. It's, uh, you know it's it's wonderful to be able to just call your brother and I And realized that with his wife and his family, and they are so, talk about a 180 switch. Yeah. Supportive and loving and accepts my husband and Mm. walked down the aisle, first one down the aisle at my wedding. Oh, So it was like, you know, I know. Like my mother, if she were alive, she would be like, I know she's just overjoyed right now. And I'm emotional because... The one and only thing she ever wanted was for her boys to come together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she never got to see it. Mm-hmm. But we have come together, finally. But it took a lot of growth, a lot of tears, a lot of me sharing my story and letting them know how they affected me for growing sure. up. And so, yeah. So yeah. now I'm sharing it with the world. Yeah. Well, thank you for I that. I not know I was coming here to cry.
2: I guess the last thing I want to just talk about here is the fans, right? So where do you place them in the wider drag family that we've been building here and talking about?
1: Well, the fans, the ones that I consider fans, those are the supporters, the the ones who build you up, who are there in the not so good times, who keep you focused and remind you who you are as an artist. Those are fans. And I am forever grateful for my Royale court because those are the ones who block out the hate for me. I don't have to do much work, whether it's my guardian angels or my angels that are here, my cyber angels. You're not going to talk bad about my Latrice, you know, Mm -hmm. the way they are. But what I stand for, I stand for right. And, righteousness. and so if you're not about that, then, yeah, no, I'm not your cup of tea. If you are a hater, then no, I'm not your cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, so.
2: I really appreciate you and all the goodness that you put into the world. And I'm just very grateful.
1: Well, I appreciate you as well. Thank you so much for having me.
2: At live Drag Race shows, the producers usually save Latrice Royale for last. She always gets the biggest applause. Everybody's favorite auntie. Not a single soul stays seated when she hits the stage, or when she leaves it for that matter. People talk a lot about self-love these days. Latrice Royale is a model of that for me. RuPaul famously says at the end of every episode,
0: If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else?
2: I've often wished I learned that phrase a little sooner myself. And I think that's why people stand up for Latrice. They want to thank someone who shows them how it's done, who gives us an example of what it means to love yourself, and in turn, those around you. Latrice did not have to talk to little old me, especially in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm sure she has plenty of things to do, but I'm so glad she did. I will never forget that afternoon, talking to one of the most incredible people on the planet in my closet. Yes, the irony of recording in the closet is also not lost on me, Or. Really, anyone who's queer and has a podcast these days. As soon as the interview is over, I left my podcast closet to rush downstairs to introduce my husband and son Sam to Latrice. What do you
1: think? Yeah, (laughs) sort of close. Oh my goodness! You give me some cookies.
2: Do you say hi? Can you say hi to Latrice?
1: Oh, Oh, baby! Nice job. Uh, okay,
2: now, y'all. now Sam can say forever, the first drag queen I ever met was Latrice Royale. Thank me later, son. Your homework this week is to reach out to us on social media. We are at T-I-M-F show on all the platforms, or you can email me, tyler at T-I-M-F I would love to hear how you define family for yourself. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about growing up in a mixed identity family and much more with NPR's Code Switch host, Shireen Marisol Maragi.
0: As a woman, there's this expectation. You procreate. It's easy peasy. (laughs) And so there's something about it that makes you feel like you're not living up to what you're supposed to do. This thing. It's very natural. It's very easy. Why? Why isn't it working for you?
2: Thank you so much for listening to This Is My Family. You can find Latrice Royale at latriceroyale.com or, of course, on all the social media platforms. Be sure to add her podcast to your rotation. She co-hosts a drag race recap show called The Chop with fellow drag queen Manila Luzon. As I said before, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TIMFshow. Our website is TIMFshow.com, and when you're there, please subscribe to our newsletter. We'll be giving early access to episodes and other goodies like cute photos of my son Sam to our subscribers. This podcast is a production of thestoryproducer.com, and it's produced by me, Trisha Bobita, and Jackie Ball. It is edited and mixed by Adam Yaffe. Our music is by Andrew Edwards. Our community manager is Annika Exum. And last but certainly not least, our art director is my handsome husband, Ziwoo Joe. If you're digging the show, please, please, please tell a friend, cousin, coworker, neighbor, person at the grocery store. Help spread the good word. Write us, leave a review, five stars. You all know the drill. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Tyler Green. And until next time, stay beautiful and messy. Is the podcast all done, Sam?
0: Okay. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of This Is My
1: Family featuring Latrice Royale. Yes. And again, if you like the show, just find it wherever you get your podcast and hit subscribe. Bye.